Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 90, Becoming the Gospel Underground. We are broadcasting live, well, live for us from the worldwide headquarters of the Gospel Underground, Jesse, here in Blacksburg, Virginia. I'm here with my brother. We are remotely shed casting. Actually, I think he's in the new studio there, uh, building at the church there. I'm in the bunker at the church, at our church building. We are building a new studio, and we're not quite done. So I'm sitting here in front of uh, unpainted drywall. It looks well puttied and sanded, though. Somebody who knew what they were doing has been there. Yes, it's, and it has been sanded. It's ready. Do you realize that actually puttying drywall and sanding is one of the more difficult tasks in the process of like doing like renovations and stuff? Like People can really mess that up. Yeah. Yes. I, I actually know firsthand how easy it is to mess up uh, <laughs> sand and uh, mudding drywall because every time I try it, I'm terrible at it. <laughs> so first of all, so here's the thing with that is, is uh, you think that if you just sort of slap a bunch on there, it'll be easy to sand it out later. But then but you, you got to smooth smear it all over the place. And just one of those things is better to hire somebody to do. Hey, we, that's what we did. That's one of the few things we did hire out when we did the shed quarters here. And in New Jersey, when we built out the 27 Jacobs Wells facility, um, we only had two people, I think, that our kind of construction lead guy, Pete Palmer, what's up, Pete, would let um, do the drywall putty against stuff. John Fingst and maybe, uh, I can't remember, maybe uh, Falzone. Um, those two guys were allowed to do it. Mike Casey, a few guys. But anyway, looks good. Hopefully it'll look better in the future. Cause, yeah, uh, yeah, we think it looks good. It's going to look better painted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of looks like my background a little bit, doesn't it? Similar. No. <laughs> no. I've, I've got, got great background there. And what a cool hat you have on. Like, I was like, just, I was admiring that hat. I just, Is that like black camo? I just got, yeah, it's kind of black and gray camo. I just like got urban, it. It's like urban camouflage. You know, I got suckered into... Uh, Suckered into an Instagram ad on this thing, and so it's uh, one of those things. Whoa, whoa! So Jesse, <laughs> and we talk books and texts and movies and hats and things. So yeah, this is will be a little little reviewish of uh, this hat. This is uh, an interesting hat. It wasn't. I think it was a social media ad, but it it has like this breathable fabric wicking technology it's got this little pocket inside where you can put money if you want um and i really like it i think it's from a company called melon something like that it was like i I guess they were doing fashionista hats a long time ago but now they've got some down for priced well where i could actually buy one they're not cheap though if you expect to pay 20 bucks for a hat there's a little more than that uh but so far so good and uh, looking fly for a nice guy. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and it, and when, it's like moisture wicking, like when it rains or like when both. you sweat. Yeah, both. It's endorsed by Phil Mickelson, Mickelson who's a golfer. Up yeah, when you sweat, it like takes the water away from your head. And man. I nasty up some hats. So I'm going to see see how how it goes, man, and uh, how it holds. Me up. too. I like I like the like the the flat brim kind of structured hats. Yeah. And mine always end up having this like nasty discolored ring around yeah, it's like a salt ring <laughs> yeah it's like an evaporated so. lake happened on your head yeah 
Well, man, yeah, if you want to have it's two year warranty, I think, two year guarantee on a hat. That's pretty good. Um yeah. but it is like fifty bucks, so you get what you pay for, I suppose. Melon, melon, how are you gonna put a link? Melon, I'll link? put I'll put a link uh, in them in them the shared show notes. Jesse, this is a weird episode because I don't know if you guys noticed in the show intro that uh, I am not in the power of change worldwide shed quarters. I am actually sitting in the shed quarters of the gospel underground. How about that? That is amazing. <laughs> Hey, how about it take us? It took us ninety episodes to actually become the Gospel Underground. <laughs> That's right. Then, and the Gospel Underground is becoming. No, I, I was. I wanted to ask you about that. Like, you know, you you have been power of change ever since I've known you. Well, technically, I knew who you were before, but power of change. So, but you're making a switch. Yeah, I'm making a switch, and. It's it's probably hard for nobody but me to make this changeover, and the the reason why Power of Change goes all the way back to 1996, probably before then, um, I became a Christian, I think, in 1992, and I always was amazed at the transformative power of the nature of, of God's work through the gospel, through His Word, through His Spirit, to change people's lives, like ch- change my trajectory, man. Turn me around in, in a, just a, passion, a powerful way, and so when I when I started ministry, my wife and I went on staff with Athletes in Action. You know, you, you did this when you were on staff with Crew. Um, you sent out newsletters, and so I had to name mine, and so I named my newsletter Power of Change, and uh, I even reserved powerofchange.org, Jesse back in 1996, and I was hand coding websites like in Notepad on Windows, old school, like writing it out HTML code. So Power of Change has been around a long time. Now, Now, when I was transitioning out of leadership at Jacob's Well and handing the torch over to my friends there, um, we just needed a name for the weird things that I sensed the Lord wanted me to do. And so we just said, hey, let's make Power of Change the thing. And it served us well the last four and a half years. But... Uh, it's been a little confusing at times. In fact, I've had like the past four and a half years, I've been super full calendar wise, schedule wise. It's been busy. Uh, keep going. But I always would get this question. Now, tell me again what exactly you do. And I'd say, well, I do this thing called power change. What is that? Is that like a some people have thought literally hey, it was like one of these like weightlifter Christian groups that like rip like up phone books rip, and rip phone books and bend. You, you, I was waiting for you to bend iron. Yeah, aluminum base, blow up water bottles. Apparently, there's a thing called some power something, and somebody asked me, are you going to do that? I'm like, no. And then a lot of people think it's kind of more like a transformative discipleship or some sort of uh, you know uh, sanctification or tra- life transformation counseling kind of thing. And then there's been just a few weird things where I'll type in a text or an email POC and and somebody's like, "Are you do you mean persons of color?" I'm like, "No, I meant power of change." I mean, I mean obviously that's being used a lot now to to in shorthand for persons of color. Uh, but it meant power of change. So we're we were just praying and seeking God for a more clear name for our mission, our connected to what we do. And so we uh started the Gospel Underground. I don't know if you realize this, 3 years ago. Um, on two, uh, August, 2017 and it's kind of fit and lots of people like it. And then when I've run this kind of value, people is like, Hey, what do you think of this name? Oh, way better. Oh, way better. Oh, way better. So we're in process. Actually, we are legally changed already, um, to the gospel underground. We're still doing business as power of change. So any, anything that happens, that's okay. But yeah, that's where we're headed, man. And it's, uh, it's exciting for us. I love it. I think it definitely reflects you and your your work, uh, 
I think in a more clear way. Um, and I think in, in, a, in a lot of ways, it'll be fun for you to, to build out. This is what gospel underground means. Certainly it's less confusing with uh, POC. I know I, I spent uh, a summer in Australia and I think crew was maybe called, was it, is crew power for change? There's a crew or, Canada uh, switched their, it, yeah, they switched their name to power to change. Ah, power to change. Yeah. Okay. And then last summer, my daughter actually went to Guatemala to play soccer for uh, AIA Canada, which so all the checks were to be made out to power to change. And that just confused the mess out of all our friends. They're like, is this going to your organization or something? And uh, we predate them, actually. Uh, the name power change predates anything they did with the first outreach up there. But that was all. In well, fact, that, when I got a mortgage that, here, they tried to call yeah. Crew Canada to see if I was employed by them by accident. Yeah. Yeah, so I imagine with Gospel Underground, you'll have less less confusion about that. So, well, what else has changed and read with, you know, you've got some transitions right now, the main transition being from Power of Change to Gospel Underground. But that's not just a transition in name only, is it? No, there's a, a some pivoting, obviously, related to COVID-19. Um, but there's also some realignment to uh, some of the things the Lord had put on my heart to do when we were transitioning from New Jersey. One of the uh, odd and strange and beautiful and good occurrences that happened during that time frame, I was handing off in New Jersey and moving here, um, Acts 29, U.S. South Central, which is Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, and Western Missouri, uh, contacted me and said, hey, uh, you, do, would you like to work on our leadership team and run church planner assessment for us? And I was like, well, you know, I'm moving to Virginia. I'm not moving currently to Texas. And I got some Texas colors on today, I suppose. But uh, but they said, no, we don't care. You can do this remotely, no problem. So the last four and a half years, I've really been on the leadership team of one of the major Acts 29 global networks. And that's been great. But that time is coming to an end. Um, kind of a kind of a sad day and a happy day altogether. But uh, the amount of work that I put in doing administration and coaching young church planters and helping run the assessment of new church planters into their uh, work that God called them to, that that part of my work is coming to an end. I've kind of been a long-term consultant for them. But I'm excited because it's freeing me up to serve broadly in the body. I'll still be connecting deeply through uh, those relationships with Acts 29, but also with other local churches, uh, a little bit more with you locally, as well as serving other church planting networks. And then also in in some of my direct ministry work, which I really want to focus on uh, in the days ahead. Yeah, man, I, I know that when we... We, when we were considering Acts 29 as a church, uh, ha- knowing that you were on staff with Acts 29 and hearing from you about Acts 29 and, and your experience both in our, um, in our network and on the um, East Coast, yeah. Yeah, our network on the East Coast and, and really all over the country, it really helped us. Uh, it helped us have, have more of a desire to be, well, really, frankly, we wanted to be part of what you were part of. So, yeah. um, you know, I, and I, it's been fun to be able to, uh, I, I've, I've mentioned this all the time, but whenever we're anywhere where there's X29 guys, uh, they all know you. you, you've had an impact beyond just, you know, as a matter of fact, in a lot of ways, your impact is so far and wide that I'm really excited about this change for that imp- impact to be even more uh, local, yeah. uh, even more, um, like you said, like 
basically with me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, we got to do an event to train pastors and thinking through missional preaching and way to preach to connect to different people recently. It just was a blast. And when we were setting up the room, I was like, yeah, Jesse, this is what I do all the time, but I just don't ever do it here in town. And so, uh, I mean, I think the pandemic, you know, I had seven events canceled instantly. Obviously, travel's different now, and that was inevitable. But I think it's uh, God's grace and timing to help me focus on aspects of my work that probably were a little neglected for the sake of doing doing some other things. So, um, you know, you guys have heard on this podcast that uh, we're this podcast is a dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture. So the mission of my work is going to shift in that direction as well. That, that what I'm doing is to advance the mission of God in the borderlands between the church and culture. And we're going to do a whole podcast on that and why that's important uh, in the coming weeks. But I really have this heart and passion. I grew up like non-Christian. My dad's an atheist guy. I became a believer while studying uh, physics, uh, mathematics, and applied computer science with lots of uh, non-Christian, secular kind of people people that kind of all different ideas and ideologies. And I just really think that space, right, between the church in the culture is very important. I think we're seeing that now, just how how the posture of the church can be either helpful or not to mission. It can be devastating when there's certain alignments that happen that maybe aren't biblical. And so if I can just give my life to help others think through how is the church ministering on mission with Jesus in this context that we're living in now, kind of in post-Christendom, Western civilization, how, how could I be of help to that? And so um, what I do is to support and strengthen churches, so I'll continue to do things for local churches, also continue uh, speaking the gospel directly, I am I, I'll high school events, even middle school events and university settings, uh, sharing the gospel. I have an opportunity for some direct ministry, it looks like, with uh, some athletes locally, which I'm looking forward to. I'll tell more about that later. And then finally, um, Christian apologetics and thoughtful engagement. How do we think? How do we engage wisely? How, with gentleness and respect, do we talk to people about the most important person, Jesus, the risen Christ, and the most important news that he's died for sinners and is now king and leading us into his his desired future? Man, I'm excited for this. Uh, and, and because really when I think about uh, the, the borderlands between the church and culture, in a lot of ways, those borderlands are uh, are growing. Uh, or, or they're becoming even more complex. Uh, <laughs> becoming a combat zone between yeah. warring factions. It's, yeah. they're, they're becoming more like the Wild West. Yeah, yeah. I find myself in those borderlands as a, as a, as a small-town pastor all the time. That's right. Uh, even just week, you and I were talking a little bit offline about this, but um, thinking through uh, w- when it comes to justice in the Scriptures, a, a kingdom justice, uh, we see pictures of corporate responsibility, you know, of maybe a family being held responsible or even the nation of Israel. But man, I need someone like you to help me think, think out this borderlands between the church and culture when it comes to um, how does that actually play out when we, when, when it's an actual church, yeah. when, you know, what, right. what does little tiny church or, you know, small church in small town America, uh, what are we responsible for that are that are being done by a church over here or a hundred yeah. years in the past? Yeah, and, and and then how does it interplay with mission and gospel and witness and yeah? So so man, I'm excited for you to be in those <laughs> in those boards. And, and you know, Jesse, you and I both live in university towns too, so there's ideas and ideology 
uh, from all sorts of people on all, all different perspectives and spectrums. And so how do we synthesize? How do we think through that? How do we have faithful presence where we're not punking out to the world and just chucking our yeah. biblical birthright, right? And at the same time, yet being winsome, being effective. Um, I like the phrase sojourning in Babylon. We, we see in the Old Testament, at least, a group of young, talented uh, Hebrews who were taken cap- captive, quite literally captive, and then re-educated. Uh, a young man named Daniel literally became uh, educated in the Babylonian, the schools of the Chaldeans. And actually, the striking thing in that in the early chapters of the book of Daniel, he actually excelled in that learning. So he was like, I like to say, he was like top of his class on something that was like, they were teaching him how to do magic arts and incantations, all kind of weird stuff. He didn't believe all that. So he remained faithful in his identity to Yahweh in a occupied place where he knew where to make stands for his faithfulness, his worship, his set-apartness, but yet at the same time was effective in that society, right? What does it look like to be a faithful Christian and get all A's in Harry Potter's school for wizardry at Hogwarts or something, man, Um, but yet not believe all that stuff, but to be faithful to the Bible, faithful to Jesus as Lord and King, yet helpful to other people to taste and see that he is good. And, And look, man, Borderlands... Many times, if you think of pre-World War II between France and Germany, these are the places where there's outbreaks, there's skirmishes, there's disagreements, there is a fissure and fracture between believers. We're seeing that now, that even the political aspect of churches uh, on the right and the left, believers are, are leaving churches, going to war with each other, fighting on Facebook. Um, but how do we have a faithful, biblical, godly presence that is winsome, helpful, and uh, gentle and kind? And I think that's ever more important as we head into the future right now. Mm, mm. I want to ask you about, uh, you, you were talking a little bit to me offline about some guiding postures or philosophies. Before we get into that, do you have any any plans as far as uh, maybe media or, uh, and, and I don't necessarily mean, I think later you're going to break down some things look, to look forward to here on the podcast, but mm-hmm. uh, are, do you have other things in mind as far as writing or anything like that? You know, um, this is a, a good question. Pr- probably, um, I have certain conference material, like I, I, have a, I have a seminar I do on shaping evangelistic cultures through the local church that deals with a lot of this. And I'm, I am considering putting that on, because I already give away everything for free, so might as well put it on video and, and put it out there. Um, so I am looking at that, and then also to continue to develop, develop this podcast that it's helpful to the moment um, in terms of helping us think through and helping us learn how to flow and live in certain realities that we're facing today. So yes, um, you know, I've been joking around with my kids. Do I want to become a YouTuber or, you know, something like that? But I do think, you know, even us doing these on video in the future, we probably will expand our production, maybe do some clips from the show that we'll put out on social media, put them out, get out before uh, things get crazy um, and, and, and hopefully expand that way. But we do, I, I want to be careful. You know, you know this, Jesse, and some of you guys, some friends who listen in, I'm very concerned about, I don't want to get into self-promotion, but yet at the same time, you have to let people know what you're doing and you want to be helpful to people. So we're taking an underground approach to that, um, to come alongside others, be, help, be really, really good and helpful. Um, and then, you know, if we can, I'm not trying to create a new movement or a new kind of thing like that, but a new way of doing things that might infect many movements of faithful gospel presence, uh, in North America and beyond. I love it. I love it. As a participant in one of your workshops, I would love some, for that to be, 
You need to hire like a media intern. <laughs> I need to f- hire a videographer and put a studio together. Yeah. And, and get some of this stuff. Uh, I, I love that idea. If we can find uh, the right avenues and right uh, delivery mechanisms where it can be free, but excellent. And, uh, and I don't have to dance for somebody paying bills. Maybe, maybe we'll do that. That's what, that's what I want to hear. That's what I want to see. So talk a little bit about the guiding, some of the guiding philosophies with, you know, the gospel and the transition into the gospel underground. Yeah. These are, these are things, Jesse, that I put on paper when we started power of change. Cause I wanted to think through what, what philosophies do I want to guide my work? And I do think we may even call these our postures, the, the postures of a, of the, of an, of an underground Christian, perhaps. Um, I think they're important in any time, but particularly in our time when things are shifting in terms of institutional and authoritarian authority structures. So the first one is, and, and we'll probably do a po- some podcasting on this too, guys. So we'll unpack this in, in more in depth later. But the first one is thoughtful and respectful engagement. Uh, one of the more disturbing things I've seen in history, those who are into uh, apologetics can be very pugnacious, combative, and want to fight everyone. Or those who stand for truth thoughtfully can uh, lack in the respect department. And so I think both thinking deeply about all of life and a lot of the gospel, not just being, you know, super light, fluffy American Christianity doesn't teach anything, but yet as we engage the world with truth, to, to do it with kindness, civility, uh, respect for persons, so that, as Ravi Zacharias, the late Ravi Zacharias said, you don't want to cut off someone's nose and then give them a rose to smell. So thoughtful and respectful engagement. The second one is underground behind-the-scenes ministry, um, that there's too much uh, looking for center stage or looking for prominence through Christian stuff. Um, and I don't say that as just like, oh, shot at celebrity pastors or anything like that. I've been up close to lots of this, and Unless a certain amount of people choose actually being nobodies or actually being unseen and actually being behind the scenes, then there'll continually be this kind of scrambling that I see amongst young pastors who really want to be influential people. And by that, they mean book deals or, you know, kind of being in the big conference and have their face on a poster someday. So I'm, I'm trying to do something that's intentionally behind the scenes. And if, uh, it's not seen by everybody, but helps certain somebodies, I, I'm, I'm very grateful. Can I jump in here? Yeah. And say, yeah. Um, I, and I that's not I'll, a shot at anybody who's doing the mainstream way. That's right. And this is why it's going to be hard for you to become a, a famous YouTuber. <laughs> a yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but I, I do think in, in a lot of ways of your five guiding philosophies or postures, um, this might be the most unique, uh, meaning the one that I see the least everywhere else. So as, as a, a partner and a friend and pastor, uh, and pastor yeah. uh, just keep, I just keep going. Like I, I remember for, for me personally, years ago, studying Matthew six and, uh, and, and looking at Jesus essentially saying to practice secrecy, to hide, you know, hide, what, don't let your right hand know what your left is doing. And, and really throughout that whole, all of Matthew 6, you have, a, you have this um, secrecy and treasure over and over again. Yeah. And I remember thinking, how do you do that in a public ministry? How, yeah. it, so for me, I have a public ministry. It's just very small. Yeah. Right. You know, as a pastor, I think all pastors do. There's a certain, uh, 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 yeah. there's a platform you're given by God and then by your people. Yeah. And even, even in that small context, I just remember struggling with how do you do this? How do you practice secrecy uh, as a spiritual discipline in following Christ who 
who gave up the, you know, the glories of heaven to come yeah. and take on the how do you do that? And then also seek to be excellent, to communicate in ways that are going to naturally, you know, yeah. and I think brother, you do it. I'm and trying, so me, man. It's hard. Um, I just, just keep going because yeah. I think one of your impacts you're going to have in the gospel underground, as you have with power of change is inspiring other men and women to, to uh, give up any dreams of celebrity, you know, celebrity can come or go. But to kind of give that up as a value, uh, and instead think about faithfulness and fruitfulness, and yeah, so I yeah, it's uh, it's it's, it's, it's my second on that. Yeah, thanks, brother. I, it's interesting, I because I, I think this principle can be lived by anyone, even if they're in a very large kind of setting, big city, big church, or whatever, or small town, small church. You're right; everybody has a, an, an influence and a stewardship of that. The question is, what are we shouting from the rooftops? Because we are called to shout something in somebody's name. It's not our own. Um, where is our posture in place in that? Well, it's amongst people as servants for Christ's sake, if we're doing it that way, we can be the, the one who was in very nature of God and considered himself nothing, right? And gave his life fully away for others. I think, I think that's important. I think it's hard in North America, American culture that loves, uh, you know, lots of likes and lots of numbers and lots of looks and uh, lots of platform. Um, so yeah, humble servant leaders that are at least trying to make themselves nothing actually uh, working at it, staying out of it, um, is I think it's really worth swinging the bat at. So, I, I just I'm I'm reading right now a book by uh, Yuval Levin. I've never read him before, yeah. uh, but it's called A Time to Build. Mm. And in it, he's got a line. This morning, I read it and I thought about you. Yeah. He says um, a culture of celebrity is opposed to a culture of integrity. Mm. And by that, he he he's he he, he you know what, what I'm re- reading there is. Um, it really kind of whether you're celebrity or not is incidental. It's what's the culture really concerned with? Is yeah. it becoming famous or having integrity? And I think yeah. I, I appreciate that, that for you, one of these values is the underground because I think it, it promotes a culture of integrity. Yeah. Amen. Um, and you know what we want to be real people. Um, we're flawed. We're sinful. We're not perfect. We don't pose as if we are. Um, we're not, we don't need to be interested in power. Uh, all power has been is belongs to God, and then the authority to do what we do is derivative, right? From Him, it's been given to us to do. Our competency is in Him. Our authority to preach His name and shout His name is from Him, and hopefully, we can decrease, even like uh, uh, John the Baptist long time ago said. Now, third, third uh, posture or philosophical guiding principle is rooting and establishing that we need deeper men, deeper marriages, deeper families, deeper women uh, established in the truth and love of God uh, to influence coming generations Um, without strong families and the reproduction of the gospel through our homes. Um, we lose. Now there's good, there's good and bad statistics on this, right? Everybody's like, Oh, young people are leaving Christianity. Well, Young people that grow up in dedicated, faithful Christian families are not leaving the faith. It's nominalistic, consumer Christian kids who like hadn't, hadn't seen the real thing probably anyway uh, can get float away. Now, look, if you're listening to this, your kid is going wayward. All of us, right? All of us, our prayer for our kids is, is Lord, save them, graft them into your people whenever, however. So uh, in time, we want to work hard, loving each other deeply, showing what it's like to sin and forgive against the, uh, one another in, in families, in local churches, and those communities then can spiral outwards into the world. I'm not saying that 
what the president uh, does isn't important. It is. Uh, what, what I am saying in America, it's probably more important what we do and the way we love each other up close, beginning at home. Uh, fourth, mentoring and coaching. Um, man, I tell you what, my life was changed by a wrestling coach, someone who's invested in somebody else's success, and we need a lot more of those. Jesse, you do that with young guys and young pastors. I love watching it. Uh, we need a lot more player coaches who are staying in the game, but yet mentoring and others along the way. And then fifth, this one just comes out of whatever everything I just said. Fifth is the primacy of families in the local church. Local churches are God's plan A. It's interesting to be like a parachurch having a nonprofit, and I'm not leading a church, but to still have the passion and belief um, that God's people, right, the local family of faith, is uh, is God's plan A, both for mission and discipling, to make disciples of all peoples and nations. And before the foundation of the world, this was God's purpose. And so I don't, I don't think local church replacements are, are, are worth our time, and that local church investments from, you know, Bonhoeffer House or the Gospel Underground is very worthy of our time and pleases, right, the bridegroom. Uh, who quite literally is uh, covenantally related to his people. And the first celebration we'll have when this age is wrapped up is a wedding, a wedding reception, a party. And so I don't want to leave that. I think that's very important for underground Christianity to be rooted in local church communities. Amen. I love that. And uh, I, I don't know where I got this. I, I invented it, so it's probably wrong. But uh, <laughs> I like but your I, inventions. <laughs> but I... Um, when I talk about the Bonhoeffer house with people, and then even as a local church pastor, when I talk about other um, parachurch ministries, um, I talk about deacon ministry. And, and so really what I mean by that is in the New Testament, deacons form because uh, the, the church needed help sorting stuff out, right? It's and the so noun was, word, the noun form of servant, right? Service or serving, yeah. Yep. So, so it's the word for servant and, and it's not just setting tables, right? So in Acts six, that, that whole situation, you know, a lot of people think of it like deacon equals the servant people who set the tables or, or set the chairs up. Of course, that situation in Acts six was a lot more than just uh, making sure people got food. There was a, there was a kind of an ethnic divide. So there had to be some peacekeeping and some, some care happening there. But then even more, immediately those deacons that are named end up being the evangelists and the apologists. You know, Stephen is going around yeah. uh, doing apologetic ministry, yeah. uh, essentially proving Christ in the scriptures. And um, and so, so really it's pretty broad. Like this is just what does the church need? It need well, it needs someone to go over here and do that. Yeah. And so I think of, uh, when a parachurch is working well, like the Gospel Underground, it's, it's serving local church or local churches in areas where the local church needs help, right? Like I, I even mentioned to you earlier in this podcast that when I need help thinking about the borderlands and I got to give Reed a call, I got to, you know, I got to talk about this. And so, and, and I have people even in our church who are telling me about this podcast and, and how much they're learning and growing. So I, I, I love that the primacy of yeah. families in the local church and, 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 uh, and I, as your pastor envision you and your work and, and the, and the gospel underground as uh, kind of deaconing for the church. You're serving yeah. the church. Well, I appreciate that. And and it's been, you know, a privilege to, when we moved, you know, my kids had grown up in a church that started in their family's living room. Uh, they had become accustomed to hearing the voice of their father, not at the breakfast table, but also in the Sunday morning pulpit, um, setting vision, mission, biblical teaching, flow and culture of a church. And so moving for us, 
um, when you're, if you have little kids that do that for almost a decade, it's a big change. And so for us to find a place where, uh, we could walk in and just become members and not be pressured to be on the elder team or, or do more than we were ready to do. You guys have loved us well. And I've been grateful for small ways where I, I felt like I could help the big picture or the whole at uh, Valley Bible Church to be happy to be able to do that. And I, and I want to thank all of our ministry partners, supporters, people who pray for uh, Power of Change, Now the Gospel Underground, our family, because we're positioned to serve. Like, if if I could be of help to your church and you're listening, I'll come for a plane ticket or I'll drive over, man. I'm not in it to, to make the big bank. Uh, we're, we're trying to uh, do, do well in what we do in fundraising, so we're freed up to say yes and no to uh, helping where God would, would lead us. Amen. Amen. So t- talk a little bit about uh, what's coming up on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, man. It's, we're excited. Um, we just wanted to do this short, short episode to kind of let you know about the, the change coming. And it'll be funny in our opening and closing credits. We'll, we'll adjust appropriately because um, it's no longer a partnership for, between Power of Change and the Bonhoeffer House. Uh, but we also um, are thinking through um, our content this year. And I, yesterday, Jesse, I didn't, I didn't tell you this, but I mapped things out on my whiteboard. I'm looking over at it to like May 13th. And so <laughs> we're, we're working on our, every, yeah. All the stuff that's going to happen between now. <laughs> that's right. All the current things that'll happen. Um, we're going to talk about important things, whether they're current or not. But here, here's the thing. Every two weeks, we kind of hit that the last couple of years, been doing that roughly twice a month up until May 13th. So we're planning that out. But in the off weeks, um, we're going to be freed up to hit uh, current topics that are happening in culture. Also, our Underground Saints episodes where we kind of uh, bring in folks that are doing it, living it. Those have been extremely successful and popular episode. So we're going to continue with that. But in terms of that, every two weeks, here's where we're going. We're going to talk about mission in our current cultural realities. One of the things that if I could press back, even in, you know, say, maybe Acts 29, that, that I'm most associated with in church planting, is that there's been a strong focus on the church, strong focus on theology, even being multiplying churches. Um, and I just want to keep shouting, though, for the mission of God, that God's work outside of the local church community in the borderlands with people far from him uh, in the midst of these cultural realities where we can stop speaking Christ died for sinners, that we need to repent and have faith, trust him, uh, become part of his family forever, acknowledge him as king. These things have to move forward because we're commanded by the Lord. So we're going to talk about what's that look, what that looks like, both in a positive sense, but also in a uh, resistant sense. The word resistance has been co-opted to kind of oppose uh, our current president. Um, but there's a really good tradition uh, in Christianity about resistance thinking. Uh, C.S. Lewis talked about it and looking at post uh, during World War II and post-World War II reality and seeing uh, it, at, we live in this world now uh, that's not yet fully the kingdom of God. There is a reality that we need to have resistance thinking and how to go about doing that in these cultural mixes we're living in. We're going to address how do we resist well and then but stay on mission. And so we're heading there for a few months. It should be really fun. And then we're going to do a little uh, shift into a subject of a book, a book called The Science of the Good, The Tragic Quest for the Foundations of Morality. This is by James Davison Hunter and Paul Nedaleski. Now, we're talking a lot about uh, what is justice, what is goodness, what is morality, right? 
And it's not surprising that there's so much disagreement and confusion about what that is because the secular mindset, which dominates education, I know my kids are in public school, dominates the vision of morality, has sought for hundreds of years now to seek what is good and just apart from one who is the rightful judge and author of goodness and justice, God himself. So apart from God, what is this search for morality looked like? It's a tragic quest. And then how do we navigate these issues when we, we are all talking about issues of justice and what's good and what's terrible and this is bad, but yet we don't even know why we don't agree with one another. And I think there's going to be some really engaging content. And of course, we'll have some reviewish along the way. We'll have some ruts and butts. We're not going to forget the ridiculous things under the sun we things and the beautiful things under the sun we see. But uh, that's where we're going. And then we'll be mixing in on those off week some great interviews that we're setting up and uh i'm super excited and look forward to you joining me for most of that journey and I put in one, yeah yeah in the weeks you got to get more of your family on <laughs> got the family on i love it well, well th- <laughs> thanks for saying that unexpected well i, I get nervous sometimes like do, do, do they want to hear from i, I love talking to my kids <laughs> No, they're great. Yeah, they're great. and uh, you know they've. We, they've need a, we need a report from college. Yeah, co- the college underground. Yeah, get some of her and her college friends on because she's at a, a liberal arts college of that's very intellectually oriented, and named after some people in America that are becoming more and more controversial. Washington, the bad guy, Washington. Yeah, George Washington. Is he a good guy or a bad guy? Um, she's at a school that's named after him and another guy. Well, Jesse, I'm excited for what we're headed into with the Gospel Underground. I'm excited for the Hammer and Quill. Everybody check that out. Great, great thing Jesse's doing with the Bonhoeffer House of Podcasts where they're interviewing people about the good, the true, and the beautiful in their vocations. Um, Fantastic podcast. you got to check that out. And join us. We'll be back in a couple weeks. we got a lot of legal branding, all these kind of redoing donor system stuff we're working on. So we can do the real work of living out the gospel and advancing the mission of God in the borderlands between the church and culture. How about that, Jesse? The Gospel Underground is a partnership between me and Jesse. Bonhoeffer House and the Gospel Underground. Not as smooth, but we'll get it right. (laughs) You can review us on iTunes. Five stars are acceptable. Thank you guys for giving us reviews anywhere. If you're on Spotify and you see us, review us there. Google Play Store, review us there. Send your comments, feedback, or questions that we might be able to take up here. We do have those off weeks. We do like taking up things that people submit. That's for you, Jared Lynn. We did we did get your email. We will be addressing some of that. Send those feedback comments to info at gospelunderground.org. We are a dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture. We hope to see you out there. Peace. <laughs>